0: Welcome to the Swim Swam podcast. I'm your host Coleman Hodges. Joining me today is Olympic gold medalist and Swim Swam co-founder Mel Stewart. And today joining us we have national champion 200 fly expert Justin Wright. Justin, how's it going?
1: Going well. How's everyone doing?
0: podcast I was excited to see your uh, your beard growth and and what uh, what you were looking like during this quarantine and then you show up and your your hair makes up for makes up for everything because it's looking awesome
1: thank you I actually did uh right before I came to North Carolina I well first impressions a lot of first impressions that I was gonna have to make so I was just trying to be sure that, uh, I didn't, didn't look like I just came out of a four month quarantine.
0: That's which, you know, that's admirable, but, uh, I think, yeah, your hair definitely makes up for it for me. So, uh, so we have been in quarantine for about four months now. You just made the move to North Carolina. What, you know, take us through your quarantine. What, what inspired this move? How did you, you know, where were you in March? Where are you now?
1: Oh, uh, well, it, it really had it was kind of like a bit of a roller coaster. Uh, I, I mean, just as you know, so much new information was coming in and then trying to sift through it, find out what was relevant, what wasn't, and then, you know, trying to make a plan for the future with all this imperfect information. because um, I'm a planner, going into the summer, uh, actually all of 2019, really going into 2020. I set up this plan and everything, did not account for Olympics not happening. So I kind of fell into this uh, question of what, what was the purpose of it anyways? Why was I even swimming? Um, kind of turned into this whole existential dilemma. Uh, and as I was struggling to find motivation to work out and all of this, because there was absolutely no pool access for a while, um, and most of the time, I was living completely alone. So there was no one watching me. There was no one that would know if I worked out or not. Um, so so I really struggled. But uh, after a while, so, so it was 108 days of no swimming. So it was probably 45 days in, I got really tired of doing nothing. And I, I was trying to figure out to motivate myself to do things um and yeah so so it turns out i use media a lot i never actually done that so like tv shows um a lot of music uh, i turned to that for inspiration as opposed to turning to my teammates for inspiration um and and i think i kind of had more of an awakening with realizing that i can find motivation in myself And I can find determination and willpower and all these cool things. I don't necessarily need someone else to force me to do it to get it done. And that was a cool, like, kind of reframe it in my head. And I'm trying to apply it to to more of my swimming.
0: Yeah.
2: So, you just want, I just want to jump in here. You said that you turned to media, and that, and that, and that brought you to this realization. That you can find inspiration in yourself. Was it? Was there? Was there a particular piece of media where it was just sort of a everything you were consuming?
1: Uh so so it's funny. It, it started out as kind of everything, just consuming everything, and I was trying to find meaning in things. Um, but once I did find things, I would try and really, really figure out what was going on there. So one of the more interesting things that I think a lot of swimmers are into, uh, anime TV shows. So the interesting thing for the anime I watch, uh, the the one in particular was Black Clover. Some people might love it, some might hate it, regardless. I I like the ones that are, you know, people have some kind of powers, some great powers, and um, it's like fighting, adventure. And I really like it because I found that most of those shows follow uh, warrior principles. So it's all about fighting, being a warrior, this and that. And since it's animated, they can take it to its logical conclusion all the way to the most extreme form of that athletic principle or, well, warrior principle, getting ahead of myself. Um, But I found that really athletic principles are just warrior principles changed for modern times and so it was really really cool to recognize that and then i could really put myself in those character shoes and while i can't work out for 24 hours straight for those two hours that i am working out i'm going to pretend that i'm going all day and 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 that was a that was a big source of motivation for me actually
2: i think the warrior principle is a 200 fly principle um Coleman's a 200 flyer I'm a 200 flyer so I just want to throw that out there maybe not be so it's, it's definitely a 200 fly principle when when I when I when I think of you and I and I remember that performance from 2018 the 154 uh I, I think everybody was just slack it's uh the output um from from you it's like I think this guy might be I I don't know how to how to, how to frame this can I say how I mean how, how tall are you? What do you weigh? Uh, should,
1: am I giving honest answers?
2: Yes, we're going to give some honest answers. Yes, please.
1: Okay. Um. So currently I'm 5'7", 150. 5'7", 150,
2: going 154, 200 fly. Might be pound per pound the greatest 200 fly of all time, period. I, I think you can make that argument. It is extraordinary. But it's uh, – but at the same time, it's a, and you know, I see a 154 and you redefine what, uh, what, uh, what the human body can do. And I'm like, you can do more, you can go further. So I like the way you think, I like your warrior principle. I like, I, this, this makes sense to me. It's, um, I don't want to get away from where you're at because it's such a, it's such a cool narrative, but it's uh, so let's get back to that narrative. What, what is uh, so if you're applying that to your two hours, uh, what's going through your brain because swimming is a solitary sport.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, well, the, the hard part now is I, I, I'm, I, I, I well tailored all of these, uh, thoughts and ideas into the workouts I was doing during quarantine. Um, which typically were non-traditional workouts for me. So, so I would struggle quite a bit, um, on an exercise bike. I think initially I could hit like 10 minutes straight, Um, and then, you know, slowly but surely, you know, getting better and better. Um, but yeah, yeah. So one of the main principles that I I think would apply to that is a lot of times the main character is obsessed with gaining strength and then solving the question on why they want to gain strength. And so, yeah, I'm going to be trying to fit that into my swimming because right now I'm only, you know, six practices in and they've only been 50 minutes. Um, but yeah, I I think I'll be doing my best to translate that into swimming. I'm not completely sure how it's going to go yet though.
0: So, so, you know, you said day 45, you had, uh, you had kind of started this transition started to actually work out. And then, uh, how did, how did the change to North Carolina come about for you?
1: Yeah. So, so if you ask me like, even three months ago, if I would ever leave Tucson, Arizona and still keep swimming, I would have said, absolutely not, not, not a chance. Um, so, uh, <laughs> a little embarrassing, but it, it, it all kind of stemmed from, uh, uh me, me and this girl were talking for, for a little while. Uh, and I, I think, you know, quarantine, significant strain on, on any budding relationship. So, so it didn't work out, but, One of the things she mentioned was, oh, you know, like, uh, I might leave Tucson. So, like, well, what then? Like, you said you're absolutely not going to leave. What's going to happen? And it, it wasn't until I heard it that way that I was like, well, I could leave. And then once I had that in my head, I was like, well, let's explore it a little bit. And The more I explored, the more I found that it was probably going to be the best decision I could make for my swimming career at the moment.
0: And and uh so how would you land on uh on Gangloff and UNC
1: then? <laughs> well, I kind of did a big huge reach out to everyone I could. Um it started out with uh just looking at places where I had direct connections to. Um so initially I I I wanted to go to Chicago, but um you know, uh, Kip ended up moving, so it all fell apart. Because my brother goes to uh, med school in Chicago, so it worked out really well. But then I kept exploring. Um, the more coaches I talked to, I narrowed it down to NC State and UNC and talking to Brayden and Mark, both phenomenal coaches. Honestly, both great squads, the whole thing. Um, but, but in the end, I just I felt Mark was – Um, the, the person that could coach me farther than I could get by myself.
2: And hearing you talk, it sounds like something it's, uh, you have, you definitely have a process and it Mm -hmm. sounds like you're someone who once that idea gets lodged in your brain. You start moving toward the path of belief. And Mm -hmm. so your process becomes belief and, uh, I I think it's a very lonely journey when you're, when you're, when you're swimming and you're, and you're swimming at the level that you're swimming and and you're, Mm -hmm. and we all, and you have the goals that you have. Uh, Are you, do you, do you have a process in terms of, of once you have the thought process, the belief, and then, okay, how am I going to manifest this? Do you have a, do you have a process? Some people sit Mm -hmm. there and meditate and think through their races and imagine it as a performance. Some people uh, you know, they do it all sorts of weird, different ways. Do you have, do you have that skill down?
1: Well, uh, it, it's funny cause that is absolutely something that I would like. I'd write down my whole procedure for the decision making process. I actually have one of those for, uh, I, I was working on inventing some swim inventions and I wrote down a whole process first. It's like a, a almost a mirror of the scientific method, but <laughs> Um, I actually haven't thought much about that one in particular. Um, But I I think unconsciously, my process is typically gain new information, um, process it by myself as much as possible. Usually that's, uh, I guess, a form of meditation, but swimming, uh, swimming straight, just putting my head down and thinking about it. Um, And then definitely I need to reach out to other people is is the biggest factor for a lot of decisions and a lot of uh, theories I come up with is just talking about them and, and uh, trying to refine them as much as possible with all, all this other swim knowledge that, I mean, uh, even my roommate, he's, he's got a way I, – I defer to him for swim knowledge almost every single time. Uh, unless it's international competitions, I got him there. But other, other than that, I mean – the, there's information everywhere. So I always try and find it, even if it's a, from an unlikely source. The 154 is an outlier
2: performance, not, not for you. you. You've been on that path for a long time, but it's, it was a wow performance. Uh, the beauty of Olympic trials is that people have wow performances. And, um, so how did you get to the 154? Cause it's such an amazing performance. And then, you know, how do you do that again at trials? It's uh, and, and what, what I'm thinking. You know, some people would uh, would 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 go through and, and time each of their fifties with a, with their phone or mm-hmm. a clock, and think through their race. And they knew what they wanted to swim. Mm-hmm. Um, some people just set a goal time down. And go, that's what I'm doing. and I'm training toward it. My co- my coach knows it. I'm just wondering if you have a process like that.
1: Um. Okay. So I, I think. The closest thing I have to a rigid process would be um, my my belief about learning. So uh, I've been working on refining this idea where I believe anyone can become great in swimming, you know, barring obvious uh, certain barriers. Um, But the important thing is to find out how you specifically can become an Olympian. Because everyone's path is going to be different. There's no one formula, and the key is being able to learn yourself and learn about the sport enough to see the path. And um, I, I guess I'm trying to do that for myself, and I have to look back a little bit and try and identify my actual path to that 154, and then you know gain all the other information to try and see a path past that 154 into the next goal. Um, so, so I guess that'd be the closest thing I have to a, a rigid process, but Yep. Yeah.
2: Coleman, can you hear Coleman?
1: Oh, uh, I cannot. Sorry, I... that's my bad. Uh,
0: going back to today a little bit. Can you hear me now, Justin? Yep. Cool. Uh, you, you, you said you've been at UNC now. You've been training for uh, almost a week. Um, you know, obvi- you said 50-minute 50, 50 workouts. What's that looked like so far? How do you feel like you've adjusted? Uh, What do you think of Chapel Hill?
1: Well, I'm definitely loving the area. I've never seen so many trees in my life, (laughs) which is really cool. Uh, As far as the training goes, it's tough. Uh, I I went a full 108 days, no swimming. uh, So that, you know, dug quite a hole. And dragging myself out of it is a process. uh, I think for the entire 50 minutes of every single workout I've been in from start to finish, my heart rate has been over a hundred easily. Uh, <laughs> so it, it's, it's definitely a struggle right now. And I'm really not paying attention to what times I'm going in training. I'm not paying attention to how fast I'm going. All I'm trying to do is uh reset, rebuild the aerobic capacity and make sure all my details are still fine and sharp and ready for uh some real training
0: yeah and are you doing anything outside of the pool also
1: um i'm not doing any outside training at the moment um the swimming is definitely enough mm-hmm. um but i definitely have plenty of other things uh getting started out here in uh, north carolina
2: well let's let's talk about that it's in, in your situation it, it financial support is is important and uh you shared with us a little bit before you, 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 you hopped on some things that you're doing that uh, so you can make some money. Well, you're, you're an A3 performance athlete. You have been for a while. And uh, that's a unique company. Uh, Dan Meinholz is a great guy. And uh, I know he takes a lot of pride in, in, in what he does with this company. How's that experience been?
1: Uh, it's great. Uh, I definitely love A3. I do enjoy that they're uh, – uh, love Dan. He's great. And it feels and is a uh, definite family company. And it felt really good to um, jump in there as though I became part of their actual family. And uh, so so that's been really great. Um, The the tougher things come with the actual um, financial situations, especially during COVID crisis. Um, Unfortunately, my contract is set up where a good portion of my potential money is going to be performance bonuses. And if there's no meets, can't get a performance bonus. Um, so, so unfortunately, that's been a little tough um, since, you know, most of my money has been centered around the actual competitions. So now I'm trying to diversify a little bit, um, and I'll be hosting, you know, some A3 clinics here and there, trying to do that, hopping into private lessons, getting a job with actual coaching, and I don't know what happened to my screen we can see you can see oh you me. did okay it it just went to sleep sorry about that <laughs> no worries um but yeah so that's uh that, that's the things i'm doing right now and i'm trying to figure out how to pay rent on a uh swimmer budget at the moment
2: and if you, if you guys are listening out there it's a um swimmer contracts going back to the 1980s have have it seems like they've all been structured the same way and and no matter who you are uh, they are weighted to performance that 's where everybody makes their jack that 's where they make most of their money. Some big name stars have have some have some really great baselines, meaning just guaranteed money but when you if you ever read that someone 's getting into the millions it 's because they 've had an extraordinary multi metal performance and then you have the you have your you have your elite pros. Who are signed with a lot of brands that are not tier or, or Speedo or Arena, and it's uh, it's heavily weighted to performance, and that is a it keeps people engaged. But that's just sort of the way the market rolls. It's interesting that you're doing so many jobs, and I wonder, uh, you know, what kind of an emotional toll that takes. If um, yeah, it's it's uh, I'm curious about that. It's you know how much i um, is it something you enjoy, or is it uh, is it is it hard?
1: Um. Well, uh, it, it's tough to say so far because uh, I haven't quite gotten into most of it yet. Um. I I know that. Yeah, it's it's definitely a lot of effort, and especially trying to uh, work in a lot of these extra jobs and all that with true training. Um. I, I haven't quite thought up a plan on how to perfectly manage it all. Um, but yeah, <laughs> shoot. I guess I hadn't thought about that.
2: Well, it's it's a, it's, it's a, we well, you know, just to put in context back in, you know, Rowdy games, we all know the voice of the sport from the, the you know, for, for NBC Rowdy was a bellhop or, or excuse me, it was a night clerk at a hotel on the run up to 1984 because he didn't have financial support and he yes. couldn't because it was against the rules but it's a uh there's a, there's a long history in swim where athletes have have had to do things behind the scenes that no one will know about but if something yes. tells me that more than anything it's not the time and energy that you've put in or you're going to be putting in yes. it's the emotional toll of you know can I can I make this money to support this dream and this path that I'm on yes. um it's it is that is that a uh it seems like this hearing. It sounds like in your voice. It's like, yeah, this this sounds like sounds like it's a little bit stressful.
1: Uh, well, I, I guess I'm I'm starting to think that maybe I've been feeling a, a little bit of that stress, but uh, you know, pushing it to the back of the head with keeping busy. Um, but you know, actually, well, look at that, learning already, it, even in this. Mel, thank you, because I'm definitely gonna have to think about that one, and uh, take it into consideration moving forward at the moment, I'm not completely sure.
0: <laughs> so you did mention that, that you will be starting coaching mm-hmm. uh, for a club team there in Chapel Hill. Uh, has that, you know, y- you mentioned you had some thoughts about starting to coach and how that, how that might change the way you think about your own swimming. Uh, mm-hmm. Would you mind sharing those with us?
1: Yeah, so the, the first Differences I've already started to run into um, is a lot of the thoughts, ideas, you know, advanced swim theory that I have in my head. Uh, basically, you want to throw it all away if they're too young for it. So it's it's uh I- I'm trying to relearn the true basics of the sport, and I'm trying to find ways that maybe I either never really developed that early on, and now I've got some bad habit um, from age group swimming, Or maybe it's uh, just something that, that I haven't thought about in a really long time. So specifically, shoot, I had something written down. Sorry, Coleman.
0: No worries. Take your time.
1: My apologies. Sometimes I get ahead of myself. I just, You can probably tell, and I, I just talk and talk and talk.
2: Uh, We like swim theory. We're supportive of swim theory. We're always trying to develop our own swim theory because it seems like it changes every time you talk to somebody. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah,
1: so (laughs) exactly. That, that is exactly how it is. I'm already shifting stuff up here right now. Um, so, okay. So something more specific is intent. So intent is, is, uh, it's something that I never took into consideration really, uh, because, I kind of liked to think that everything I do outside of swimming is separate from my swimming. Um, But the older you get, you have more and more trouble ignoring these things. Um, So I, I want to try and teach kids intent really early on where every single thing they do, they think about why they're doing it and how it's going to affect their swimming. So I, I'm not sure I ever developed that early on. And now it's something that I'm really working on. Basically, I, I'm putting sticky notes all over the place, um, reminding myself, hey, got to go to bed on time. Hey, you got to eat. Eating is my biggest problem. I, I I have no appetite. So if I forget to eat, I won't. Um, so so it's keeping in mind the intention. And that that's just one of the first things that I've thought about. And I haven't even started coaching yet. So I'm sure there's gonna be plenty more uh tidbits to think about.
0: So that's that's super interesting because, you know, as, as we've all seen, you're an elite athlete, you're a national champion, you know, you're at the top top of our sport. And yet some of the things you hear professionals talking about, like out, outside of a pool, um, you know, maybe maybe from your perspective, you haven't even considered those as as, uh, as weapons in your toolbox, um, which, you know, could potentially give you uh room for improvement, which mm-hmm. is super interesting. So, so is this, is this something that's just kind of during the quarantine slipped or have you, you know, has eating or, or getting to bed on time, getting enough recovery, has that always kind of been just in the background for you?
1: Uh, I'd say it, it has definitely been just background, uh, I think, especially in college. Um, uh, perhaps I just developed the ability to ignore all the stuff that I did outside of swimming and still swim fast. Um, or maybe I was just working harder than I had to. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I, 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 uh, I keep losing it. I got to focus up. <laughs> i'm sorry coleman i'm not too sharp
2: you know what's funny is that 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 during during the shutdown you talk to anybody you talk to your friends you talk to your you know whoever if you're and you were alone Mm -hmm. but you'd say do you remember what you did yesterday can't remember it's uh it it's yeah i think our brains have rewired in a way because of this this existential threat this well it's a real threat and it's uh and it's changed our lives so much. I, th- I think that that this is something that everybody's dealing with. What's interesting is that it's a. I can't imagine being an elite athlete with a dread, with a deadline that is moving. It's already moved. Could you know it, it could change, and. Um, and I think that does trippy things to your brain. So it, it, I think the the fact that you're you're like you know what I'm, I'm moving to North Carolina, I'm gonna start training with Mark Angoloff. Yeah, you, you're still making your plan with with you're still controlling the things you can control.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And uh, I think it's it. This is it's a whole lot harder than anyone ever imagined. It's and you're only six practices in. I, I, I just had a curiosity. Are you a are you a are you a grinder? Are you somebody if, you know, it's, do you do a lot of pace fly? Do you do a lot of fly and practice? Is it, um, uh, do you do over distance? Um, you know, how did you get to that one fifty four?
1: Um, so, so this is the answer that age groupers probably would absolutely hate me to say, but I'm here to say it. Uh, I swam a lot of butterfly. Um, and, and I think that in the end that was, at least one of the factors that that got me that 154. um i was training a whole lot of butterfly but the key part was that even if i was dead tired 100 percent done i'm still gonna keep going but i have to maintain perfect form so, so that was the number one key with bulk fly training uh, i should put that disclaimer out there if you're not maintaining form you're not getting any benefit to your butterfly and you're probably going to end up getting hurt anyways. Um, but yeah, I, I think bulk training, uh, was, was one of the keys. Now
0: I'm glad we're getting into two and fly. We're down to about eight (laughs) minutes, but, uh, you know, Mel didn't come in and say it, which I'm shocked at. So I'm going to say it. Uh, Mel will always tell people that was it Mary T. Mel who told you that when you can, I, you, you have the anecdote, so I'll let him say it.
2: Uh, I, I was thinking it and I, I didn't want to have another old person moment on this podcast. Mary T. Mary T is Madame Butterfly. Mary T's fly from 1980 to 1981, that she went a two of five nine, the 200 meter butterfly that lasted. She would have made the Olympic team, I think, up until 2016. No, she would. She would have made the Olympic team in 2016. Uh, she told me when we were on the national team together and I was a little kid, she was She was in, in her final year. She said, if you can swim, fly so much in practice that it's easier than doing freestyle, you're probably going to win at nationals, win at worlds, break a world record, and make an Olympic team. And mm-hmm. I thought that that was the most prophetic information that I'd ever gotten. And um, so it sounds like you were... I don't know if you've, if you've reached, I, I imagine you've gotten to that point where it's like fly feels effortless when you're in your peak form. Mm-hmm. What that, what is that iteration for you?
1: Um, uh, I, I think I'd have to agree. I, I mean, it'd be hard to ever disagree with Mary T as a two flyer. Um, but yeah, I, I think I'd, I'd have to kind of echo the same thing. Cause <laughs> that's, that's pretty accurate. Uh, for, for me personally, I, I wouldn't say my fly is necessarily easier than freestyle, but I will say in practice, typically, oddly enough, I can go faster in fly than free. If I do, say, a 50 or 100 sprint off the blocks, chances are my fly is going to end up faster than my free. And, and so I guess that's a, that's a version of
2: it. It's a version. It's a version of mastery that gets you to a 154.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: We're down to five minutes. And uh, in, in, is is there a is there a particular set that you that, that's a go to for you? There's a thing. It's like you know what? this is my sweet spot. This I know I'm gonna have some gains or I'm gonna be able to think about my stroke in a unique way. What, what's your go to set?
1: Uh, my favorite is it was a uh, 2050s. Did this uh, Cliff Robbins value at Ed. Absolutely, just so much fun. Uh, he would he would get uh, say it with a big smile on his face that we're doing twenty fifties today. Um, so it, it's grouped into uh, pacing. So well, it's grouped into intervals, and you're trying to maintain top speed for every single fifty. Um, and it's it's basically you're going all out till you die, and once you die, you have to keep going still doing that proper form. And so I, I would absolutely love it. And I, I'd see how long I could go before the wheels come off the wagon.
2: <laughs> Down to four minutes, I have to ask this question. What is what is your, for, for me, my fly was a, uh, it was my kick. I was uh, early on, I, I could, I had kick and core strength was ridiculous. I was doing way more than everyone else. I used to do entire workouts, 12,000 meters a kick. What, what What's your, do you feel like you had a secret weapon in your 200 fly? Um, uh, if I did have a
1: secret weapon, uh, um, I'd have to say my turns are, are probably uh, the, the closest thing I have to a secret weapon. Uh, sometimes I do them too fast and I only touch with one hand, kind of a problem. Um, but, but yeah, uh, that and endurance that I think isn't some special skill. It mostly just came from doing a lot of fly.
0: Yeah, so I was going to ask, you know, it, it when you went that 154 at nationals, you know, you kind of snuck up there and then that last 50, you just ripped it and dropped everyone, especially in the last 25 meters. Mm -hmm. You know, race strategy wise, what are you thinking about when you head into a 200 fly long course?
1: Ooh, when I head into it, um, well I try not to be scared of the pain because the pain's going to come either way. And if I'm scared of it, when I dive in, I'm going to mess up that first 50. Um, so, so trying to, yeah, stay calm is, is the key for uh, two fly. But uh, overall ra- race strategy, I'd say I definitely am looking to back half. Front end smooth, uh, smooth fast. So like, you know, easy speed. And then build the third 50, bring it home the last 50. That, that's the rudimentary plan.
2: <laughs> so, and, and, so we're down to two minutes. And the warrior principle, through the warrior principle lens, you're reeling your competitors in on the back half to defeat them. Now, it's, it's, it is the most exciting thing when, 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 when athletes do back half, especially 200s, 200s are the most dramatic races. Um, John Seban comes to mind from 1988 when he came out of nowhere and, and won, that in, won in that final 50. It's, uh, is, that, is, that your, is that your comfort zone in terms of like, it's like do you feel like I'm holding back? It's like, just wait, I got it. I'm going to be coming you know, what's, what, what are the, that's what, what's going on in your head when you're like, you know, second 50, third 50, sorry, here, here we go. Is is that going through your mind?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I do have a bad habit sometimes of watching the competition too much, because uh, it's so easy when you're doing fly and they're ahead of you because you just look up. Um, so I tend to watch a little too much sometimes. Um, but yeah, I'm absolutely thinking about all those things. I'm thinking about, Oh, if he's still with me at this hundred, I'm going to smoke him on this 50 or if he's still with me here, Oh, he's only this far ahead of me here. Um, so yeah, all those things are definitely going through my head.
2: We're down to one minute. Is there, Do you have any, any parting thoughts with us, um, before we take off. Parting thoughts. Um, uh, I mean, honestly, I, I
1: think my, my biggest, message and thought out of the whole quarantine was really that yeah anyone can become an olympian and it is all about finding out how you can become that olympian and and i think honestly that's the main thing i'd love to reiterate um because i think it's huge and it's learning about yourself and about the sport it's hard to go wrong
2: and you're coming in with a 154 as a base going into 2021 trials, uh, yes, in your world, yes, it's abso- It's an absolute. Thanks for talking to us. Will you come back? Yeah, absolutely. All right. Good talking to you, buddy. All
1: right. Thank you.
0: You've been listening to the Swim Swam podcast. Stay tuned for new episodes every week.